in terms of how the people are really actually uh, feeling about the situation and what's actually occurring. You know, um, obviously there's been a strong push to make this uh, an Islamic thing. So, you know, the, the Muslim, the fact that these uh, uh, apparently this Boko Haram, uh, this, this uh, militia, as they're called, it's always cited that they are a, an Islamic militia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, traditionally there's always been, uh, not always, but for a very long time, there's been conflict between northern Nigeria and uh, southern Nigeria, uh, one of which being predominantly Muslim and the other one being predominantly Christian. You know, but that really had so little to do with these young girls uh, who were snatched and taken and allegedly now being reported that they're being uh, sold for $12 as bribes. Right. You know, um, but so my, my initial concern is, you know, anytime I see something like this and I'm, and I'm hearing the, the term Islam thrown around and Muslims thrown around and I'm seeing darker-hued, uh, quote-unquote, Muslims, being presented on screen, I'm always a little sketchy because I know that a lot of the, the problems that are going on on the continent, um, as it, even in Darfur, you know, where we're dealing with an ethnic cleansing, a lot of times when you see footage, you know, mass media footage, you're seeing these, these darker-skinned Arabs, you know, as if it's the, the local people turning on themselves. Right. And they're committing their own genocide, and it's not um, outside invaders who are responsible. So mm-hmm. even in this situation, I'm, I'm very leery about this actually being um, an, uh, something that was done by people who are native to that landmass, especially when you start throwing around the words Muslim and Islam. Um, it is no secret that there is a very large um, Euro-Arab contingency in that land. But whenever there seems to be some sort of conflict, we don't see them. We don't see them on CNN. We don't see their faces. We only see the dark faces. Right. You know, so that that's, that's a point of concern. Um, but just as far as for those girls, um, for the children who are going through what they're going through, um, my thoughts and my concerns go more out to the alleged Ifa community here in the States. Okay. Uh, so many have made a living, you know, off of, of the calculations and the philosophies and the deep thought and sciences that were developed and and expanded in the Nigerian region. You know, there's so many who have fed their families and raised their children um, through their initiations that they were able to go back home and to receive. And there's so many who also just claim great allegiance and loyalty and fondness towards Nigeria. And I'm not seeing, as as far as I, I feel, I'm not seeing this situation and this event being put in front of the, the quote-unquote Arisha and Ifa community here in the States enough, whereas we can start now coming together and maybe doing some mass rituals for these I children. See. I'm not even hearing it really being spoken about. Um, so I, I feel it's uh, more than a feeling. I, I, I know that this is an action moment. This is a call to action. And if no action is taken, by the Ifa community in any form of a collective, then, you know, those individuals should just pretty much stay out of Nigeria. You know, if, if this doesn't concern you, if this doesn't wake you up, if this doesn't rip your soul apart and bring you, bring you into a place where you feel compassion for these little girls, then uh, you really need to just take your Ifa banner down. You know, you, you're, not, you're just not a friend of the culture or of the people or of the landmass. You're not honoring. Well, I want to say that there has been some visuals. We did have a prayer for um, Friday at 12 o'clock, all of us. We uh, committed to praying at um, 12 o'clock on Friday, and we all did. And then sisters that um, were going out to wear red galays on their heads to show support for those children. So there's been things done. So I, I think that Ifa community is waking up. I think that the um you know, the the misrepresentation is always used to get uh the evil 
or the the character of the enemy, they always look like us, which you, you know you have said. And um, I, it's time for you know us to stop supporting those media characteristics characterization of our people. We have to all stand up, you know. We we have to stand up for each other. Because the way that they're trying to do, they're trying to make one look or one size fit all. And we know that one size does not fit all. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's important to understand, too, the terminology that's used in media. Uh, Arab, or to be, you know, or, or to be a part of the culture known as the Arabic culture, or the Arab culture does not actually signify race. The word Arab just means arid, as in dry, like dry sand. So, Gosh. in fact, you know, you do have continental Africans who are Arabs, who are come from those sand, those Saharan, sub-Saharan regions, and then you have others who have taken that uh, title of, of Arab because they reside in those regions as well, but they do not share the same DNA pool, and they certainly don't share the same cultural imperative, even though they both have that title of Arab, of Arab, very similar to uh, two or three people being classified as American. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same agenda, you know, or the same imperative, or even come from the same genetic pool. You know, so yes. sometimes it's important to be able to look through those things and kind of get a, a, a more intimate story. You know, this is an excellent time for those considering traveling over to the continent to make that, that trip over, you know, and... Um, See what things are for yourself and how you can help locally. Uh, believe it or not, uh, for those who have not gone, uh, even though you may feel that you have no position here in the States or you have no initiations or, you know, maybe you just don't feel like you're a very powerful American, quote-unquote, uh, when you go over to those countries, as soon as they hear your accent, uh, people listen. So you'd be surprised that the, the governmental offices that you'd be able to get into and the people you'd be able to speak to just because you say you're coming from America. You know, wow. it actually some level of weight over there. So um, as silly as that may be, now is the time to use that trump card. You know, I don't think time to use it. at all. I think that's an excellent idea. I think that we need to get involved and say, you know what? You guys have this thing been going on for years and years. It's time to stop abusing women and children. It's time to stop. Y'all got to wake up and get with the rest of the world. Women are valuable citizens. Yeah. I mean, this this is an issue of collective abuse. You know, at at the beginning of the day, this is the abuse of melanin-dominant people. And it, it, it certainly doesn't localize itself to any gender specification of melanin dominant people, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we need. That's that's why taking those trips over there are important because if you're a person who lives on Oprah media, you know, or any type of mass media, they're, they're always going to be one lean towards one side. For instance, right. uh, some years ago there was a movie that came out. It was called uh, The Boys, uh, Lost Boys of the Sudan. You know, and it's about these young men who, you know, they were in war-torn areas, and many, and and I think one or two of them were they were they were um, soldiers as children, and um, they were able to come over to the states. You know, they were part of a program, and you know, they were able to try to develop a life for themselves here. But because, uh, and at one point, they were in Oprah as well. But because there was such a focus on who and what they are, you almost forgot about the lost girls of the Sudan. You know, the fact that there's there's, there's girls over there as well. There's fathers, there's mothers who are going through uh, very horrific situations. You know, so even in this instance, you know, we're hearing about this young, these young girls in Nigeria, but we're not hearing about, you know, the times that these raids are happening and, and fathers are killed. You know, fathers are trying to defend their homeland. So there's an abuse and there's an oppression of um, the masculine and the feminine principle worldwide. If it, if it relates itself to anyone who is nature-based, there's, there's an oppression and there's an onslaught. And we have to shut it down. 
And we can't do it by our spiritual coming together. The power of spirit is so strong, you know. It really is. And if you are praying with, um, and you know, your spiritual work, you're doing it with your faith and stuff, it manifests for you. And I think that a lot of us, you know, may have been uncomfortable, you know, you know, sharing our rituals, but we see that it's more and more people that do what we do. We into nature, we into love, we into connecting each other and understanding why we're here. A purpose filled life, so to speak. So the the key is is, you know, doing it. You know, getting out of other people's business and doing your life, doing your own business, you know, producing what you need to do to make the world a better place. Yeah, I mean, that's key what you said. I think that's something that um, it could be a show just about that. I think one of the challenges that we have in uh, not just the EFA community, not just the Orisha community, but just um, the community, the grassroots community. Uh, oftentimes we're so obsessed with the agendas of others, like you said, and that that is so key right there, that we don't take time to properly cultivate and develop our own agenda. And that's where we kind of get tripped up. We spend a lot of time talking about what they are doing. You know, we use that word there, and now they're getting ready to do this, and now they're doing that, and now they're doing that. But we very rarely talk about what we are doing, you know, at least in a positive light. You know, uh, there's some very, like you said, there are some things being done. There were some sisters who uh, showed some signs and some motions towards solidarity and who joined um, in in spirit body to get some things done. Um, So our agenda is most important. Our agenda should be the premier and paramount uh, imperative on the table. And uh, once we kind of know what our agenda is and we can collectively agree on it, even if we decide that there's different ways we want to go about it, then we can actually see something happen. I mean, in reference to the Odu that you that you asked about, Osei Barda, Osei Barda actually deals with that. It deals with uh, collective parent, um, planning between parents. Okay. So Osei Barda is an Odu of family. Okay, one of the greatest things that you can do is within a family situation is determine and decide what the individual role should be. Uh, certainly, it's wonderful, it's necessary, and it's great that the women got together and they prayed and they covered their ori with the energy of Ogun to show that, you know, now it's time that uh, we invoke that, that energy of militancy on our heads. You know, that is very important, it's necessary, but the men should be should be doing something different, okay? Uh the, the One of the problems that we have in the spiritual community is that everyone does the same thing. We kind of move into this this uh, unisexualized and homogenized uh, place where, where the women are doing what the men are doing and the children are doing what the parents are doing, and no one is really respecting and honoring the gifts that they came to the planet with. You know, mm-hmm. as men, we actually have the ability, and I mean, even within... Within men, there are stages. You know, there's phases. We have the warrior phase, and then after the warrior's phase, we have the elder's phase. And each one can do something different. The young warriors can get on planes and go over to, to Nigeria. You know, they can, they can do that, the young men. That's not necessarily something that I feel that the women should be doing. The women should be doing exactly what you did, praying, putting forth that spiritual juju, that yin energy, that dark energy to support the warriors going forth. You know, so Oshe Barda, it actually deals with um, chaos that is caused by the lack of uh, planning and the lack of, of really visualizing and using circumspection to see what each component in the family or each component in the village should actually be doing. In this moment right now with these young, these young girls, what should our children be doing? What should our fathers be doing? What should our mothers be doing? What should our grandparents be doing? The action is individualized for each one. You know, certainly children can pray as well. Children can let the world know. Children can draw pictures. Children can draw uh, murals. Children can become pen pals to the children who are still over there and support them 
Because obviously they're terrified and traumatized, probably too scared to even go to school at this point. You know, so this this thing has to be fought on multiple fronts, and all of it can't be done, you know, in in the closet, as you said, in secrecy, where people are are still hiding elekes and hiding the fact that they're a part of an ancient tradition. Um, That's not going to get it at this point. Um, Individuals who are coming out and who are expressing their spiritual and religious affinities and loyalty they seem to be doing much better than individuals who are still afraid to say that they are doing something that is that is old and ancient and indigenous. So um, I think, you know, in alignment with that particular Odu of Osei Bardak, you know, it really speaks about that planning and the work that goes into proper preparation. When you're dealing with Osei Bardak, it deals with making the world better for the return of ancestors because it deals with, the preparations that a parent has to go to in order to make the world a space that will be a proper launch pad for children. You're really carving out a place for children. So even in this situation in Nigeria, this has occurred before. What was the contingency plan that was put in place in case it happens again, as it did? Right. Who's to say that this will not happen on American soil if people feel like they feel disconnected from the story? Who's to say that it couldn't? And it's not happening here. I mean, every day, if anybody involved with social media, it seems like the frequency and the rate of these missing children is picking up. Exactly. You know, the, all these abductions and then the, the children are sometimes found. Well, we really never hear about them being found, but typically when they are, they're mutilated. They're dead somewhere in the water and mutilated. Mm. So somebody's doing their, their their work, their occultism, you know. But what are the contingency plans that we're putting in place? And Osibara speaks about that, about the contingency plans that a family must put in place, and that's why it's critical to understand the mother, father, and child scenario. Osibara reminds us of that, the importance of each member of the family and the role that they play in preparing the way for children, and of course protecting them. From the world. That's why space is carved out for them in the world, so that they are protected from the world. I say. And that's exactly what needs to happen. We have to protect the children. You know, on a larger, like, you know, I know you're talking about community and family, but on a larger um, universal level, I can see where the energy that elders and adults have responsibility for is to protect the children. And so we have to do a better job of protecting the children. You know, and I think that if people are less greedy because the drugs and sex and child violence, all that stuff rules the world. You know, and we have to really make good choices as people not to allow our children to you know, get caught out there in that kind of nonsense. But, you know, it's very hard because there's so many enemies that are waiting to take advantage of babies. Right. Right. You know, there are are power sources. And the reason that there's such a powerful power source is because they just came from the essence. So just coming from Orum, just coming from the essence, they're dripping with the OGG of Olodumari. They're dripping with that divine energy. You know, you can practically see it spilling off of a baby sometimes. They have that image like they're glowing. Sometimes you go into a child's room at night, and they're sleeping in their crib or in their bed, and you can, with all the lights out, you can still outline and see exactly where they are because they're glowing, literally. Mm. You know, so there are phantasmic energies that, that reside on the planet that feed yeah. off of that energy. They even feed off of the fear. It's called ectoplasm. Anybody remember mm-hmm. those, those old Ghostbuster movies and old Ghostbuster movies they used to talk about ectoplasm? Well, that's a real thing. Ectoplasm is actually real. It's something that's secreted off the skin when one is, 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 is fearful or going through a fearful situation. You know, yeah. so even the fear that's generated around this situation, there are entities and individuals who are feeding off of it. And that fear comes because of a lack of knowledge of destiny, a, a lack of a knowledge of self. 
So when that's in place, then contingency plans are put in place. Like you said, the children need to be protected. Whole families need to be protected. The women need to be protected. The men need to be protected. The elders need to be protected. And the only way that happens is within the confines of community. The only way you create the proper confines of community is by creating proper balanced families. And that's where we have a lack at. That's that's part of the problem of what's happening here. You know, uh, without that proper structuring, and again, that goes to that, that unisexualization that's happening right now of the African family. It's a unisexualization where everyone's doing the same thing. The husbands are feminine and, and the wives are, are masculine. So mm. everybody's confused. When that happens, the children get caught in the middle with, with a level of turmoil and conflict inside of them because they don't really know what lane they're supposed to get into. They try to get into both. I can't do that. So then they end up carving out their own lane, which usually leads them into some form of destruction, and we end up losing. Right. You know, so it's really a time for people to get back into their proper positions as designated to them by Olu Dumare. You know, I've, I've had this conversation um, only maybe once or twice with individuals who have spoken about, well, because we're spirit and everybody is basically spirit underneath, then really however we come onto the planet doesn't matter whether we're men or women. And that's, that's completely foolish. You know, it, it, whatever you are inside, it expresses itself externally. And that expression is used for a purpose, for a divine purpose. And when you ignore that expression, or you mar that expression, or or you despise that expression, then you're despi- you're despising your divinity. You came with a gender assignment for a reason, and it's not to be ignored. So the same thing with these young girls, and that's that's what I'm picking up because there's another side to this, and the other side is that you got these young men who kidnap them, and these are alpha males who are going and snatching wives. They're kidnapping wives, and there's a ritual that people repeat all the time, every day. This ritual is repeated, the capturing of the wife. When you look at the common uh, um, Western marriage, you know, where the, where the woman is standing there with the veil on and she's wearing all white, and then the, then the, the man, he walks down the aisle and they walk out and the family throws rice at them, and then when they get to their honeymoon suite, he, he um, picks her up and carries her over the threshold. What this is doing is reenacting an ancient ritual which was actually based off of something that would used to actually happen. The, the men, and we're, we're talking about not, this is not necessarily um, an indigenous ritual for melanated people. This is something that uh, we learned from teachers. Yeah, from the Caucasian mountains. So the, the, the women would be captured. They would be clubbed over the head. They would be clubbed over the head and dragged out of their family's homes. And if the family would throw rocks at them to try to get... Um, the woman back. That's where the rice came, the idea of the rice. And then, of course, he would have to drag her or pick her up into his his cave or wherever he lived. This is the idea of carrying the woman over the threshold. So one of the, the critical and important things that we think about is that when you're reenacting these rituals that have nothing to do with your ethnic, cultural, or spiritual origins, then what are you putting out there in, in the, on the planet and in the world? You're putting, you're empowering this paradigm and this idea of kidnapping and stealing people's daughters. Okay? Yeah. So there's a responsibility that we have on multiple levels to really look at this, not just from the political and social, familial and moralistic aspects, but even looking at from the spiritual aspect and ritualistically, did we have something to do with this? For those of us who have gained a level of ashe in power and our spiritual work, but who still seem to be addicted to Western notions of romance, to Western culture, to Western tradition that breathe nothing but poison into the lungs of our children, into the lungs of our people, might we have had something to do with this being now uh, manifested and materialized and waking like this, these rituals that we keep doing that are destroying our people, possibly. You know, so there's so many different angles uh, mm. to look at this, this from, you know, that, that really need uh, to be looked at. Also, the fact that um, I have not heard about any young men's warrior parties who have gone out to try to get these girls back. So it, it makes me think about, well, what kind of 
males are in those areas that these girls live. Are they betas? And these men that kidnapped them, are they alphas? And mm-hmm. is this a way to weed out the beta males? Because there, come a, there comes a time when the paradigm shifts and sometimes very aggressive things have to happen in order for regions and people to protect their gene pool or to protect themselves. This is no different than what happened in the South with Shaga Zulu. When he came into power, he, he totally revolutionized that army because they were, they were all about costumery. And he was about, no, we need to become a killing machine because mm-hmm. as a killing machine, we can play the face and onslaught, and I can feel it, the Sangoma. They were giving him the messages. Listen, it's about to be a people who are going to come here with cannons and guns, and they're going to be, they're going to be brutal at a level that we've never seen before. So we need to raise up someone who's going to be able to match and overtake that level of brutality. And mm. here comes Shagaz, who was, who was Ogun. You know, here comes this Ogun figure of Shagazulu who had the men running and carrying and working out and getting muscular and doing all these things because he had to face this threat. And the largest massacre that Europe has ever faced, you know, it even superseded Hannibal's massacre, was at the hands of Shagazulu. Mm. So, you know, it makes me look at that also. You know, there's so many different angles to look at this thing from, but I certainly feel that there should be uh, a stronger response from the Ifa community, if nothing but to at least promote the concepts and the sheltering that family provides. Okay. Why well, we definitely have a, um, a lot more... Uh, analysis that need to go into it, but I want to just take a minute and read my Baba's words, who was uh, speaking about the um, the, the brutality of uh, these women, I mean these men, but you know, he talked about something that I had not really even thought about. And um, let me just see where I'm going to read. I'm going to start in his third paragraph. He says, in 1912, there were no countries in Africa. There were ethnic nations made up of indigenous cultures who lived in specific areas of Africa since long before recorded history. That's what you were talking about. They had to raise somebody up. In 1912, the European colonial powers met in Germany to divide the African continent. The basis for this division had absolutely nothing to do with preserving ancient African culture. Instead, division was based on a geographical identification of natural resources and a bid by each of the European nations who wanted access to specific resources. So we see that, you know, they did a lot of profiteering in Africa. And I'm wondering, in in hearing that, what what do you what are you thinking? What do you feel? I'm feeling that um, although those things are absolutely true that you outlined, mm-hmm. uh, that that Jababa outlined, certainly, um, I I agree with with every piece is historically uh, correct. But at this point, the plan of action lies on us. Uh, we can do history analysis, which is important because we got to figure out how we got here. But I think what's more critical at this point, and it goes back to what you were speaking about earlier, what is our agenda? You know, we understand because at this point, you know, and I've spoken about this before, between um, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Drew Ali, you know, um, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, Amos Hush. Wilson, Ace Hilliard. Yeah. You know, we can just go through the list. I say we have gotten the full history. You know, Diop, we've gotten the full history of what's going, of what's going down at this point. You know, but we're we're at a place now. We've become so impotent that that history will be put before us, and we'll do nothing about it. Okay, so we do understand, and we know that the Arabs and the, and the Europeans have they came into the continent, they cut it up like a like a cookie cookie cutter. They divided it. They, they set resources out for themselves. Certain regions, they weren't able to do that like they wanted, like the Congo. You know, right. And one of the things we need to look at is, well, what was the response of the Congolese that allowed them to preserve 
their culture at the level that, that it is. Why is it that even when you're dealing with the Congolese mystery systems, you can't really get much information? Why don't they Do really even know? teach outside it? Do you know that currently the owner of most of the natural resources in the Congo is Pat Robertson, who donates huge amounts of money to conservative politicians who support the manipulation by the banks? That's why they always got a scam coming out of there, because there's no real, um, you know, standards as far as following whatever rules that they establish. They just do whatever. But Based at on. the same time, then, then what do what do we do at this point? What what do what is our you know what is our response to that? Uh, should we be as concerned? Should we not be concerned? But what is our action agenda? Because the reality is, uh, we'll take it to the Bible for a second, where it says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, so the devil doesn't actually do anything different than that, and I'm not attributing. Um, the title of devil to Europeans, just to be clear for anyone listening who may be ashamed on that point, because the so, devil is much, much older than 6,000 years. The devil existed before 6,000 years. So I wouldn't attribute, attribute that long uh, history to a group of people who've only been on the planet for 6,000 years. That wouldn't be fair to the devil. Okay, so if the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it's that energy has been doing that since it was created. Nothing new is happening at this point. They're going to keep running scams. They're going to keep coming in and kidnapping people and doing ethnic cleanses. That is not going to stop until we stop it. It's the laws of inertia that are at play That's at this point. Objects are going to stay in motion until they face an object of equal or greater mass. So at this point, we have great mass in terms of our communities, but we're so fragmented and, and, and divided that these energies are able to weave in and out of our communities, no problem. They weave in and out of so well of our communities that they come in and get initiated and then keep going. They're okay. able to weave in and out that well. You know, so, um, again, I kind of focus on uh, what is our response, what is our agenda. When I look at the Congolese, one of the reasons that they were able to uh, stave off Islamic invasion for so long because what they did was when they came in, um, the Muslims said that the Congolese were so savage that they didn't even deserve Islam. So mm. because of that, now, but, but you got to look at the, the science behind that statement. What happened was the Congolese, when they came in and tried that mess, they started slaughtering them. They said, no, we're not going to have conversations with you. We're not going to shake your hand and sit down and have a meal with you like the rest of the continent has done because one of our greatest weaknesses is that we're so warm and inviting. We're not going to do that. If you come here on this ground, we're going to cut your head off because we already know what you came here to do. That's it. So sometimes, and that's the same energy with Shaga Zulu, sometimes you have to really look at what our response could be as opposed to pontificating over a lot of things that have been going on and that mm. we really can't do so much about just through dialogue. Now, dialogue is a step. It's a start. It's where we should begin, certainly. But then what? Okay? So what we can certainly do as people here on the continent about these young girls uh, who are being taken advantage of, we can look at the young girls who are being taken advantage of right here on this soil and look at why. How is it that we've left these these gaping holes open in our community? Are we still raising up warrior societies, or have we forsaken that? Are we are we teaching young men how to kill anymore, or or is that taboo? We don't teach them that anymore. As long as they're home safe every Friday night, I'm happy. I don't care how they they become or how they turn, but as long as they're safe home, you know. Those warrior societies are necessary. Are we teaching our young girls juju? Are we teaching them hoodoo? Are we teaching them voodoo? Are we teaching them ifa and arisha? Because that's where the power is, with, with the spiritual powers with the women, the social powers with the men. Are we understanding that this is how our great societies have been built? Or are we just pontificating and, and analyzing and paralyzing ourselves with more dialogue about what they have done and are going to keep doing until they stop with the with the object of greater or equal mass. I say. So well I
you was going to be able to be on here so uh, long because yeah, uh, I, I, thank you. Yeah, I definitely appreciate the time um, that that we were able to spend. We're actually just finishing up a, a, a expo that we did here in South Jersey, so uh, I'm taking a break, pulling away from that uh, to do the show because I definitely didn't want to miss this show. Well, I'm glad you did because I definitely did not want you to miss it, but. I scheduled a, another guest, and I want to bring her on. She is a young woman, queen, that I met as a child, and she has blossomed, and I'm very proud of her. She's one of my girls. Uh, Connie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. I say, I say, I'm so proud of you. You know, you I so have much. her to our, um, wow, our association, which is so beautiful, and we go back to um, just having the lesson of being, you know, together in the dreamers. So this is Connie Davis Lewis, I say. Hello, everyone. Hello. This is uh, Yayu. Uh, Yuya, I'm sorry, or Heru, and I was talking to him about what could be done, and this is so apropos because one of the ways that you are looking for this to be done is if you can go back and do what was done and helped you. So tell us all about it. Yes, hi. Um, I started a youth program called the Bethesda-Stuyvesant Youth Resource Incorporation, and the mission is to build an organization that is dedicated to shaping the youth and adults of all ages into well-rounded individuals. And through that, we plan to have uh, various programs. Uh, we have various uh, departments. We have a business, business management, personal management, mentoring, and supplemental education. And currently, we are now. Uh, hosting a fundraiser for youth activities and youth programs and building funds to get some programs started and to actually find uh, a location for it. We used to have a location, but circumstances got in the way, so now we're we're funding to get to get a, to get another one. But we are very excited. I mean, so much education has just lit. And we feel that we, along us, along with others that share our same goals and dreams, can come together and offer these children the the help that they need. And a lot of politicians that come into play state how they want to help the youth, but when you confront them for it, they claim they have no money or even some excuses given. But we figure, you know, if we just come together and put it out there, make a, a huge noise, and let them. Well, there are some organizations out here that want to fight for the youth, that care for the youth, and hopefully they'll step up. Okay, especially when you are giving back, because this is your way of giving back because you were given. You know, you were yes. able to finish college. Tell us about that. Yes, um, we graduated in sixth grade. We were the largest graduating class. And um, Paul Jones came to the graduation and offered to pay our way to college. And he has kept his word. We, we went on through, uh, through well, I went through college. I got my master's, and now I'm doing my dissertation to get my, my doctorate, professional doctorate uh, in health administration. So I have been very blessed, and that program has actually paid all the way up to all of my four years in college. So, and it's through that program that has really triggered me to start an organization because that program has ceased to assist. It's, it's no longer active. So, you know, I figured I did help. Let me help someone. And we, we need to help the, the education. And that's just the youth. Uh, the immense of the economic downturn has affected a lot of people. And even the adults now need to reconfigure and transition to a different uh, field of study 
and some of them don't have the computer skills, which is what we want to offer as well, and they need to get in there and reintroduce themselves to new things and to new fields that will help them generate funds. Do you think that the current school um, system is uh, really um, uh, doing damage to the children, not really giving them accessibility to, um, you know, career education, to understanding the things that they need to do to, you know, change their, you know, path? Yes, I I think they are selling um, or not really stepping up to to what the children need because they've put out so many things that are necessary. And now that's where, I guess, where the charter schools are, are trying to step in and, and fill those shoes and you have some organizations like myself and others that want to fill the gaps that aren't being offered. But outside of that, you just need, they, they really, especially with the, once you graduate high school and you enter into college or the working world, they need hands-on. I really appreciate some of these vocational schools because not only do they teach, but they give hands-on. And I think my personal opinion is that's where a lot of schools need to do that. And I do appreciate that they do have some schools that uh, are targeted towards certain majors and not anything general. So it can service those who actually know now what they want to do and start preparing for it now. Because when you leave when you leave out, it's not only the education, you need to know that skill level as well. And I think the best way is uh, through offering those programs. And I know when I was in high school, they used to have, like, nursing, cosmetology, and you go for those. Uh, that's, like, no now. I don't even think they offer that. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, even though they don't have it, they need it. And you are making a a, uh, a difference in the community by going back. And the fact is, is that you need to be supported by the general community that says, you know what, we care about these kids. We want to get the money to support you. We want to buy tickets. It's a $10 investment, but it changes the life of children, young people, so that we're not filling up the jails. Yeah. We, we very much do need the support. We need not just monetary, but volunteer support as well. And I also would like to announce that this summer we're planning our first uh, festival. So we have big plans for that, and that would be hopefully turn out to a big fundraiser as well, but it's geared toward the youth. So we are um, preparing for that, and hopefully we get on later when things get more finalized to to um, promote that as well through your program. I say. Well, I definitely am going to urge all the listeners to buy a ticket Go all on the website, buy a ticket for the sake of the children and the young people that need to be guided to the right direction. That's what we need. We need more people doing the work, as Haru said, do, do the work that's necessary. And, you know, I appreciate him coming on the show, and I definitely appreciate you, Connie, because... Um, you know, I'm so proud of you that you have um, just, you know, and I'm proud of all of you, actually, all the dreamers, you know, that have captured that dream of getting that college education and now are working and fulfilling your life, the things you want. You know, I'm very proud of all of y'all. It's wonderful. You have You have the, the, the heart to return and work in the community in which the community helped you. And that's what we have to do all around this country, you know, is that people who have been helped by the community 
need to go back into the community and do the work. Yeah. I, I certainly want to support, uh, you, you know, the, not just the fundraiser, but, you know, whatever you guys are planning on doing. You know, I know you're planning festival. I want to support that. What what month are you thinking about that? We're looking in August. August 9th is the tentative date for right now. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. August yes. the month that I, I I plan to be in New York City. Oh, good. Great. So I'm feeling better and I'm back on it. I'm uh, back doing uh, pastoral counseling services. So if uh, people want to, you know, get pastoral counseling sessions, just call 678-481-0425 and you receive, you know, what blessings that you're supposed to receive because that's what I do, Ashay. And um, I'm just excited. So do you think at the festival... We're going to get Ebony in April and, you know. I hope. I hope. I'm definitely going to put the request out and, and send invites out and invite everyone to come. So I'm hoping that they all show. I'm going to be a pet as I'm going to be on them. <laughs> you said what? As I'm going to be a pet to them because I'm going to stay on them. Oh, I see. I say I'm so glad that you're going to stay on them because we definitely, definitely need to come together as a community of people that cared about each other just to, you know, touch and um, share, you know, a meal and um, share the blessings and, you know, just really... Um, allow a lot of truth to come out, you know, because uh-huh. I think the experience with I Have a Dream, I know as the coordinator of the program, you know, I was very, um, I was treated very uh, unfairly and, um, you know, you guys were lied to about where I was, where I was working, and they kind of terminated me. And, you know, it was a brutal thing. And I think that one of the reasons that they did it is because they had a different idea. They wanted to take that why and develop it, which they did with the money that was for the dreamers. Mm-hmm. Had to get rid of me because I was like, uh-uh, why are they going to take our building? <laughs> so that was the end of me because I was a pimple on their schemes to take the money that the dreamers were entitled to and use it any kind of way they wanted to use it. So it's so funny to come back and we need to do our own um, uh, video uh, 60 Minutes did a video on Paul Jones, but we need to do the truth. Because... Yeah, uh, Yes. Yeah. So now he's directing $70 million worth of uh, non-profit things and, um, you know, keep trying to do something. You fall out with one group, you got to go to the next group or whatever or trying to take over how they're doing it or whatever, you know. Don't know what the specifics are about it, but we need to um, have these groups fund true community events and not try to make, you know, organizations that take over what we're supposed to do. Right. So tell me something about some of the staff that work with you. Is Kenyatta yeah, work with you? No, Kenyatta doesn't work with me. She's actually looking to get into um, domestic violence. Mm. So she currently works for, um, she's in a field of social work, but I, I believe her passion is to to help with the domestic violence unit. Mm. 
she actually wants to open up her own agency for that. That's it. Yes, that's wonderful. The individuals that work with me, we're all from the Bedside area. And um, one used to work for the governor, uh, Bloomberg, when he was there. And one is uh, now in transit. And another is uh, a teacher. So we've all been together for since the beginning. And it actually got started because when when I had the idea, uh, Mr. Thompson, Anthony Thompson, who was the, I think you remember him or nothing, he he used to do the, he used to help with the, he used to work at the IHAB. And um, I went to him when I first found, when we found out that the program was going to disseminate, and I told the idea to him. And then I wanted to know how I could go about furthering it, and someone directed me toward the congressman in my area, which was Ed Towns at the time. So when I pitched the idea in front of the group at a meeting, they were all for it, and then they connected me with the individuals that I'm with currently, and it was there that became our home. And we still, he let us use the, the space free of charge, and we... Started out taking the kids to the museum. Target will do it free of charge on Fridays and Saturdays. And we used to take the kids there and do different activities with them. You know, it was just difficult to get funding, but then we eventually got the 501c3 implementation. And being that Ed Towns is no longer in office, we were informed that we can no longer use that facility. So now, we have to go out and find other another facility. So, you know, we're still meeting and going strong and I believe this um this festival is just is gonna be the kickoff that that we really need. We have a lot of uh interested individuals from the newsletter that we sent out who informed imply how they wanna volunteer and how so we're reaching out to them or, you know, everyone that has means to help us do volunteering and so forth. So we're reaching out to them, and we hope this going to be a big success. Well, it it will be a big success because you're going to go and you're going to promote it on different shows, and you know you're going to promote it around the social media. You've got to uh, make it in terms of your promotion to make sure that people know about it and that they linked into it and they want to do it. And you should still contact Paul Tudor Jones because, you know, you told him what the idea was and he allowed his person to work with you. So, you know, he should want to support someone that participated in his program. He should want to support that. Well, we're definitely going to reach out to him, you know. It's in God's hands. We'll reach out to him and others and, you know, just hope for the best. We're not giving up, though. I say, that's what you cannot give up. Well, I certainly appreciate you coming on the show and giving us the information. This is about power and also you know, gaining power in the community. It's about taking control of yourself and looking at what you want to do to make the world better. And Connie has clearly decided that she wanted to work in that side to make this So I am so thankful that you came on the show, and I'm thankful that Haru came on the show too, Yuya. And uh, I say, what a blessing. And then we had another person on on 404. Greetings and blessings, 404. How are you? No, well, they probably are shy. Oh, Abushishe. <laughs> How are you doing, my dear? <laughs> oh, Chief Ia, I say. Yes, yes. That's something. I've been, I've been sitting here listening to the whole show. 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, I did not know you was on there. I sure would have plugged you in. I, I, uh, I thought you would I, have. Yes, I, I, I would have. That's, that's why I stayed quiet. I just want to listen. Well, you know I don't I know. Want to, I don't I, want to be a top of opinion all the time. I just want to listen to some other people. Oh, uh, well, you are always a blessing to listen to. What a blessing that Connie is my student and I'm a student of yours. So we have the whole generational thing here going. I said, I said, I, I listened to, to the young man, the, the I think, the Bible Lao. Yes. Uh, interesting comments that, that he had to say about Akabo land, Mother Africa. Yes. And and also this interesting take on the the warriors and their role and what should be done in in preserving uh, our world and preserving our youth, especially the females who are being so brutally attacked in uh, Nigeria. I believe they're being brutally attacked in America too. I think that. A lot of young women have been taken off the street and are missing, M-I-A, missing in action. Yes, yes. You know, I've said many years now that a lot of our children who are going missing, they are not just being abducted. They are being murdered, and then they are being offered for sacrifices. Gotcha. And I know people don't don't want to hear that, but and it's the truth because the whole bodies and things are going un you know uh, uh, unfound and and nobody can give account of them. Come on, you know we got to be smarter than that. Yeah, and the media is not giving them too much play, so it's terrible. But Queen Mother, I want to invite you next week to my special Mother's Day edition. At 8 o'clock, I would like to speak to a group of mothers. I asked her, her Royal Excellency, um, Ia Coleman, to join that day as well. So that would be a magnificent day if we could hear from the different mothers of the tradition. And hopefully, Connie, you'll call in so that you can, again, promote the raffle. Okay. Because... God is with you always, always. And so that this is a situation that is going to really bring, um, you know, all the resources you need so that you can do the program and that your life does, you know, improve too. So we know that. So I want to thank everybody for listening and just, oh, my God, have a great week. Think about the boundaries that you must um, keep yourself into because we always are, you know, looking to go against the boundaries and let children be more adult than they should be. You know, the elders are being like the children. We really got to come back to being who we are. Yes, I, I, I witness to that. And we can only do that uh, when we learn how to fly upside down and rise to a higher spiritual consciousness. I see. So I would love to talk about that further with you, Queen uh, Mother, because that is going to be one heck of a conversation. That's flying upside down. <laughs> I've had quite a few comments about them. So I want okay. to let you I want to let everybody know Queen Mother for Real is back uh, doing pastoral uh, counseling. And you can call me at 678-481-0425 and just go to PayPal and, um, you know, after or before $15 and uh, you'll be able to manifest a better day. Because that's what I do. Ashay. Ashay. And Queen Mother will be also available. Queen Mother, you want to give your number? 
Uh, my number is 404-287-4531. That's my cell. And my home number is 404-973-6552. And, Connie, could you please tell people that want to get in contact with you the way that they can get in contact with you to get raffles and find out how they can help and volunteer and get with the program? Yes. You can contact me at 347-687-7402. You can also go to the website at bsuyri.org or email us at bsuyri at gmail.com. I say. So join us next week and have a magnificent week. Remember to be strong and stay truthful and don't be too greedy. You know, eat only what you need. If you eat too much, you get sick. So I say, I say, I say. So I will um, talk to both of you very soon and Everyone that's listening, thank you. I love you. Have a magnificent, magnificent week. Thank you. Thank you. I say peace and love.